Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I think yesterday was the single most important day of the trial of Derek Chauvin so far. His supervisor testified. I want to play for you what his supervisor said. I want to unpack and explain it. I want to tell you why it's so important and why I think it may be the single most damning piece of information, of course, outside of the videos that were filmed. But let me unpack and explain it. This is Sean King, and you're listening to The, the, the Breakdown. The, 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 the Breakdown. The, 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 the Breakdown. The prosecution team in the Derek Chauvin case has done a great job. I don't say that lightly or flippantly. They've done a great job these first four days of trial. And they've not only called very strong, clear-eyed, clear-thinking witnesses who were there, who witnessed it, who understood that George Floyd was being killed and said so, not only on the stand, but they said so while it was happening. But the prosecution, and I need to I need to remind you that this is actually the attorney general's office prosecuting this case. They actually took the case away from the local district attorney's office. And um, Keith Ellison, our, our friend and brother who we worked with on campaign trail to elect Bernie Sanders, former congressman now Attorney General of Minnesota, um, they took this case away from the local DA's office and filed their own charges, and they have been handling this case masterfully. And yesterday, they called the supervisor of Derek Chauvin, uh, Officer David Plager, who has been with the Minneapolis Police Department for 27 years, about literally about as experienced as an officer and as a ranking officer and supervisor could be. And I want to play you. I wish you could hear all of his testimony. It was, um, I got the feeling that it was hard for him to, to be testifying against the officer who was likely his friend, who he supervised. Um, these are, both white men in the department who knew each other well, speaking of uh, the supervisor, David Plager, and uh, Officer Derek Chauvin, who also had been with the department for a long time, and was the supervising officer on the scene 
until his supervisor, David Plager, uh, uh, came to the scene. I want to play a very, very important exchange. And you're going ha- to gonna first hear a member of the prosecution, one of the attorneys on the prosecuting team. And this voice that you hear, he has done a great job. He's going to ask David Plager for his conclusion on whether or not what Derek Chauvin and the other officers are not yet on trial, but by default, even the other officers, but they're speaking about Derek Chauvin, about whether or not the hold that he had on George Floyd for nine minutes and 29 seconds was was wrong, if it violated policy. And I want to play this clip for you, and then I'll come right back, all right? Based on your review of the body-worn camera footage, uh, do you have an opinion as to when the restraint of Mr. Floyd should have ended in this encounter? Yes. What is it? When Mr. Floyd was no longer offering up any resistance to the officers, they could have ended their restraint. And that was after he was handcuffed and on the ground and no longer resisting? Correct. Thank you. Yesterday, I watched all of the testimony, uh, several hours worth of testimony from Officer David Plager, the supervising officer of Derek Chauvin. And when he arrived on the scene, um, other witnesses from the fire department, EMTs, said that they believe George Floyd was already dead, that he was dead when Derek Chauvin was on top of him, that they, the EMTs, are the ones who took the handcuffs off. And when... Supervising Officer David Plager, a, a older white man, probably in his late 50s or early 60s, I told you, had been with the department for 27 years. His testimony, one way you know how important his testimony truly was, was the defense, the attorneys for uh, uh, Derek Chauvin uh, objected over and over and over again. They were doing everything they could to stop this testimony and literally had a moment where they were trying to convince the judge that this officer, David Plager, 27 years on the force, the supervisor of, of Derek Chauvin, where they tried to convince the judge that he was not qualified to say what should or should not have happened on that day. And there was a very contentious back and forth with the prosecution, with the defense, and with the judge. They had to, sometimes when those things happen, they have to mute the cameras so that we can't hear the debate going on. And finally, they allowed the prosecution to ask the question that I just played you. And the answer for uh, Officer Plager was, when Mr. Floyd was no longer offering up any resistance to the officers, they could have ended their restraint. And what we know is, of the nine minutes and 29 seconds, we know that George Floyd was literally no longer moving or breathing for the final five minutes. And that he was convulsing halfway into it. And at the very beginning of the hold, he was on his stomach with his hands behind his back, literally with nowhere to go. 
And so to have the supervising officer say that they should have ended it when Mr. Floyd was at the very least offering up no resistance was a damning moment. Now, that's obvious. And I I saw my friend and brother, Stephen Jackson, who was close friends with George Floyd. I, I saw him repost me yesterday with frustration just to say, like, no shit. You know, of course they should have done it. And I know we know it's obvious. But to have an officer, the super, the direct supervising officer say, after he analyzed the case file, that they should have let up the hold was a very damning moment. And let me say why, and it's the main point I want to make today. One, one of many reasons officers are very, very hard to convict is juries all over the country, in all 50 states, it's not just like a down south thing, all, all over the country, juries tend to believe police when they testify. They just do. And when an officer says, well, I didn't know, or uh, I was unclear, or I, I feared for my life, one, the law and Supreme Court case law, Tennessee versus Garner, Graham versus Connor and other cases that we've broken down previously here on the podcast, those laws also protect police. But juries are really, really apt to believe police officers. And it's relatively rare for officers to testify against their peers in the way that we're seeing in this case. It's historic. It's, I mean, it's not the only time it's ever happened, but it doesn't happen often. And so now when that jury, and we don't know who's on the jury, but when that jury has to make a decision, if you are, for instance, a conservative white man who loves police on that jury, you now have another white male, older white male police officer who testified against Derek Chauvin in some ways, giving you permission to hold him responsible for the grave, grave errors that he committed on that day. And so, yeah, I'm, you know, like Steven Jackson, I'm not saying I'm impressed with the officer, but I'm saying it was a really important moment in the case and a necessary moment in the case. And so, um... Let's keep on pushing. I'm about to uh, begin watching the trial again today. And uh, our fingers are crossed. All right. Love and appreciate you all. Have a great weekend. Take care, everybody. Break it down. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we are the Momentum Advisors. Every single week, we talk about wealth management, personal finance, and entrepreneurship. We are financial advisors by day. We're entrepreneurs by night. We're building wealth for ourselves, and we want to make sure that you understand how to build wealth in your own family. Tune in for shows like Is Your Money Racist, Retirement Savings, Investment 101. We literally run the gamut on all the things that you need to know about financial wealth, creating a legacy for your family, and really just wealth creation as a whole. What we find is that these conversations are happening 
but they're not happening as much as they need to in diverse communities. And so we're bringing a new voice, a new amount of energy, and we want you to tune in. So we bring the tips, we bring the strategy, and we always bring the good news. So make sure you tune in every week to the Momentum Advisors. There's something for everyone. Momentum. Momentum.